Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel. Honestly, you don't want to be taking generic legal advice from a YouTube channel or podcast in any event. On with the show. Hello and welcome to another Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing partner of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And today we're going to talk about a topic that is near and dear to my heart. Uh, For those of you who regularly follow the channel or have dug deep into the various offerings on the channel, you probably have noticed uh, that I do have a couple of videos that are on uh, certain pop culture items that are uh, dear to me. Uh, And one of those is... Uh, the Star Wars franchise, and I did one of my earliest videos and certainly one of my earliest kind of non-law articles on my blog on Star Wars The Last Jedi and how I felt uh, it had been perceived in the modern uh, political environment uh, and what it did right and wrong in terms of putting together a Star Wars story. Uh, But today we have a very interesting story uh, that I do think is something that touches on uh, both one of my loves in Star Wars and another of my loves in video games. Uh, That's very interesting. A lot of people have asked me about the Electronic Arts uh, license agreement with Disney and whether or not Disney could move out of that arrangement because of the low output of Electronic Arts. And we may or may not be seeing a movement towards that end uh, from the Disney side of things. I have a lot to say about that. But let's take a look at the article first so that we can see what's going on. Uh, So I've pulled up an article here from PC Gamer, uh, which to be entirely fair, if we go down to the bottom of this article, we see as they give a hat tip to PC Games N as the the source that originated this story. I I just preferred the way that it was kind of... uh, Uh, structured uh, in this format from PC Gamer uh, is the folks that kind of discovered this because it wasn't something that was released from Disney. Lucasfilm Games has been unexpectedly resurrected by Disney. Uh, And they take special care to note that this isn't LucasArts, which was essentially the successor entity uh, that Lucasfilm had created to make their interactive products. Their article says, Disney appears to have resurrected Lucasfilm Games, You'll probably be more familiar with its successor, the greatly missed LucasArts, which developed and published countless games both in and outside the Star Wars universe until it was closed in 2013. While LucasArts was responsible for everything from Monkey Island as a developer to Knights of the Old Republic as a publisher, don't get your hopes up about a wave of new games appearing. Job listings posted on the Disney Careers website suggest that it will support games using Lucasfilm IPs, including Star Wars, rather than developing them them itself. Uh, Now, there is an update to this story uh, that says, while the Disney careers listing are all publisher side jobs, it looks like Lucasfilm Games has also been looking for designers as far back as 2017. So that's a couple years back, and that informs kind of the story that we're looking at today in terms of what they're trying to put together behind the scenes. Disney was advertising for a technical artist, engineering manager, producer, community manager, and a lead game designer on LinkedIn, a screen cap of which was shared by Team 17 community manager Ashley Day, suggesting that new games, at least then, were being considered. So we take a look at this tweet. We can see uh, from Ashley Day, uh, the senior community member uh, manager at Team 17, 
that she says Lucasfilm Games is a thing again. And this is from October 18th, 2017. So whether or not this is a current day story is an open question. And what Disney's doing behind the scenes in terms of shuffling and reshuffling people continues to be that kind of question. If you've followed uh, the, the Lucasfilm side of things in the aftermath, in particular of Solo, uh, which uh, was a movie that essentially is the first Star Wars released widely in, in theaters to lose money. And there are a number of factors that go into that. We could have an entire video debate about exactly how responsible The Last Jedi is for the tailwinds that led to Solo's release, uh, or uh, if there was franchise fatigue, or if essentially it was a fine little movie that wound up losing money because it was filmed twice, uh, because Lucasfilm wound up letting Lord and Miller essentially film it once and then having Ron Howard film it a second time. Either way, Solo put Lucasfilm on its back foot. We saw these kinds of comments from Bob Iger up the food chain at Disney, essentially saying we're going to reevaluate the Star Wars plan. Uh, and part and parcel to that is very likely the interactive plan. Now, this is a couple years back. This is before any of that happened. But today, in this PC Gamer uh, article, we see that there are more listings that have happened uh, that are related to kind of the production side of things. Uh, they say none of the listings are for developers or game artists. They're for roles like producer, associate brand art director, and marketing coordinator. The listings mention helping build the next great set of Star Wars and Lucasfilm heritage products with developers and managing the review and approval of interactive products that incorporate Lucasfilm IP, such as Star Wars film and television properties. Uh, which is a little business speaky, uh, but winds up essentially saying, hey, Lucasfilm has this intellectual property. It has these brands. They mentioned Star Wars because that's the biggest brand. Lucasfilm also notably has Indiana Jones, which they had been making a lot of video games with before the Disney sale. Uh, and certainly a lot of adventure games, if you go way back in time to when I was really growing up and, and playing video games, Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis was one of my absolutely favorite adventure games. And if you do have uh, access to it, I highly recommend checking it out. It's a lot of fun uh, and is a very good example of the genre that LucasArts really helped pioneer uh, in those days with Monkey Island and with uh, Indiana Jones adventure games and things of that nature. Uh, but they are looking for people to manage the review and approval of products. That's one thing that I want you to keep in mind because we're going to talk about how that might mean that Electronic Arts is in luck, that this is actually helping to try to smooth that process with a third-party exclusive licensee rather than kick them to the curb. And I think that language is important because it does suggest, at bare minimum, a reorganization within Lucasfilm that doesn't necessarily move them into the development fields. Um, the article goes on to say, while some might wish Disney would just take away the license from EA, which has just produced only two Star Wars games, both sequels, in six years. There's nothing to suggest that will happen. But with the cancellations and the issues caused by Star Wars Battlefronts 2's business model, it may be that Disney has decided to become a little bit more hands-on. It could also be interested in remastering or bringing back classic Star Wars games. Heritage products suggest that's a possibility, and there's certainly an appetite for it, judging by the reception of fan remakes of Dark Forces and Star Wars Episode One Racer. Fan remakes are their own kind of ball of wax insofar as uh, Disney can shut those down as soon as they want. So that's another kind of item to, to keep in mind is you do have this appetite that is being shown in the fan community. Uh, and if you're interested in those kinds of concepts, I do have a video that I talk through that issue uh, with in discussion with the Easy Allies, a Help Us Out Hoag segment on fan games. And I've also touched upon it 
in various places in some of the other intellectual property focused virtual legality episodes. So do check those out. Uh, but that's really all we've got here is that they've noticed that there are Lucasfilm Games job postings on the Disney career board for managers and people to help uh, manage the review and approval of interactive products. That's it. That's all we have as a story right now. But I think it is an interesting one because after the Battlefront 2 fiasco in terms of its launch, and I think a lot of people are enjoying that product now, essentially after it got rid of most of its loot box mechanisms, most of its monetization. I think the players are enjoying it more, but I don't think Electronic Arts is necessarily enjoying it more. I don't think it ever really met the return on investment that they were seeking for that product. So it's essentially a little bit in limbo right now. Uh, but it is a, a good product that you can get, I think, for 5 or $6, depending on the sale day. Uh, that we're looking at a situation where maybe Electronic Arts and Disney aren't seeing eye to eye. And so I want to talk a little bit about the agreement that they had entered into, uh, as well as uh, the situation that has uh, developed right now and what it might mean for Disney to walk away, how they could do it, uh, and what Lucasfilm Games might mean as well, especially since the update does say that they were looking for potentially development-type people uh, a couple years back, uh, which seems to indicate to me certain things that we're going to talk about as we look at some of these articles. So let's take a look first uh, at just an overall description article of what the agreement was on uh, really the day it was signed. Um, so I've got an article here from Polygon. And it says, EA and Disney sign exclusive deal for rights to Star Wars games. This is dated May 6th, 2013. You want to remember that date, 2013, because it's going to come up when uh, more is revealed about essentially the length of exclusivity here. And we're also going to talk about what exclusive means in the nature of intellectual property, because that's very important. And it doesn't necessarily mean the same thing in every agreement. Uh, the article says Electronic Arts and Disney have signed an exclusive multi-year licensing agreement for EA to publish Star Wars games developed by Visceral Games, DICE, and BioWare, the companies announced today. The agreement covers titles aimed at core gamers on all interactive platforms, while Disney retains the rights to make casual and social games in the Star Wars universe on mobile devices, tablets, and the web. Terms of the deal were not disclosed, and that's very normal to not really share the specifics on an agreement like this, uh, but I have looked at a substantial number of software development agreements, intellectual property license agreements, both exclusive and non-exclusive, distribution agreements and the like, so we can talk a little bit about what might be in there and what it's likely to look like, uh, even if we don't know the exact specifics. The first thing I want to call out in this article is you'll note Disney retained the right to make casual and social games in the Star Wars universe. Uh, so that's one of those things where you say, okay, Disney retained a certain right to use the intellectual property for this specific reason, what might appear in an intellectual property license as a field of use, uh, that the field of use that Electronic Arts was given were, was this console space, and it would be defined uh, with much more legalese, much more specifically in the contract itself rather than in this Polygon article. Uh, but the field of use that Disney retained was in this mobile and casual and social space. Uh, and that could certainly be a reason to essentially have a Lucas film games label start to uh, populate up with folks that you want to hire in to help make the mobile games to help make the casual games to help make the social games at the disney level so since this was a 2017 uh, article since it was essentially before even kind of battlefront had the troubles that it did with its sequel i think those postings probably lent themselves more towards hey Disney wants to make sure that they can do or they can help coordinate uh, the, the mobile casual side of things that they had the right to do and that they were helping coordinate already, but maybe in a more fulsome way at the Disney level. 
That being said, this new listing about management and about relationships and about essentially overseeing the way the Disney uh, Star Wars Lucasfilm intellectual property is used is a different kind of thing. It speaks more specifically towards uh, controlling and oversight of the relationship with third-party licensees. And I think we can get a little bit of the feel for why that might be happening in the next article, which is one from Kotaku that talks about essentially how difficult a time Electronic Arts has had over the six years since they signed this agreement. Uh, And this one is called EA's Trouble Decade of Star Wars Games. And as per usual in any virtual legality episode, I am going to link all of these articles in the description so you can check them out for yourselves. This one is by Jason Schreier uh, and talks at length about really what happened since May 6, 2013. It says, on May 6, 2013, Disney and Electronic Arts announced that the two companies had signed a 10-year deal to make Star Wars games. It was an industry-changing deal that, in retrospect, looks like a big mistake for both parties. And that's obviously opinion editorial, and that's fine. Uh, but one thing to note here, and this did come out essentially after that Polygon article we just looked at, was that this was a 10-year deal. So I said keep in mind that 2013 date because the end date for this deal, on a, on a natural basis, if we assume there isn't a termination, there isn't a loss of exclusivity, uh, there isn't a cancellation, and there isn't an extension, which can be in these kinds of deals, would end in 2023, presumably at about May 6th, although you can kind of fudge with that depending on exactly how you drafted your contract. So 2023 is the outdate if nothing changes. Uh, and this article talks a little bit about how Uh, EA arrived at negotiating for the license, saying ultimately they decided to buy the exclusive license to Star Wars rather than doing something else with Disney, ensuring that EA and only EA could make console games based on the most popular franchise in the galaxy. Uh, And then it talks a little bit about the fact that uh, Jason likes the movies and uh, exactly what happened from Battlefront 1 to Battlefront 2. And then we get to the end, which is essentially the kind of thesis point talking about where we stand right now with Electronic Arts and Disney. And I do recommend checking out this article. It's interesting uh, for kind of a little bit of the behind the scenes detail of how Electronic Arts sees the license. Uh, I don't think he necessarily has the same level of transparency or contacts with Disney. So it's a little opaque as to how Disney feels about a contract, but that's pretty normal for them. They are uh, very much uh, a company that keeps their cards close to their vest. Uh, But we look at the ending of this article, and he says, while EA is a publicly traded company, it does not offer specific sales figures, so there's no way to know exactly how each of its console and mobile games have performed. And there's no way to know how much of a cut Disney takes. It's impossible for an outside observer to say how good the Star Wars deal actually is for EA, just as it's impossible to say whether it would have been financially wise for EA to have made twice as many Star Wars games as it actually released. The trickier aspects of this Star Wars partnership have certainly rankled developers, which is another reason that fans haven't gotten what they've hoped. Back in 2017, one ex-Visceral developer described the Lucasfilm approval process to me in brutal fashion. With Star Wars, you could be talking months, potentially years. Oh, what would protagonist Dodger really look like? What would his weapon look like? Potentially years of that. Would he carry this? Would that really work in the Star Wars universe? With Uncharted, they can build any world they come up with because it's their world. With Star Wars, you have to have that back and forth. People think, oh, it must be so cool to work on Star Wars, but it actually kind of sucks. And then the article finishes, it's not clear what will happen with Star Wars in the coming years. I don't know the specifics of Disney's deal with EA or whether it has any out clauses, and we're going to talk about that in a second. 
or whether there are conversations on either side about bringing it to an end. For years now, fans have expressed desire for the exclusivity deal to go away. Maybe it should have never been made in the first place. But what I really want to focus on from this article is this notion of kind of oversight and control. And this complaint from a Visceral developer, if you follow the gaming industry, you know that EA wound up shuttering the Visceral Star Wars game and then shuttering the studio. Uh, So everything went away from the Visceral side of things because of essentially this license and the failed development of a Star Wars game. And they basically say, hey, we couldn't build the world we wanted to build in a timely fashion because we had to have so much back and forth. We had to have so many managers at Disney, at Lucasfilm, approving the things we wanted to make, the assets or the story or the plot or the worlds or anything else. And that just slowed down the process so much that it became very, very difficult for us to develop the game in the fashion that we were used to developing. And that can happen with third-party licensees. And I will tell you, I have negotiated on the other side of Disney and some other major motion picture studios, uh, and they do hold very tight reins over their brands, and it does not surprise me at all that on an actual operational basis where you have to get certain things approved, that their brand managers, their their folks that are in charge of making sure that the brand is kept to as high a standard as possible, do make sure that they get to say uh, whether or not they like any given asset or any given idea. So I have no doubt that that process is much more difficult than simply making a product on your own. That being said, you can see it function in a way that at least externally looks like a very functional relationship. If you look at Insomniac and Marvel's Spider-Man last year, you don't really hear the same kind of complaints. You don't really hear the same kind of issues in terms of timeliness for Marvel responses and how Insomniac was treating the Spider-Man brand. And while it is a public relations piece, you look at something like the Marvel Spider-Man art book, And you see only stories of how uh, passionate and how willing Marvel was to essentially work with Insomniac on a day-to-day basis to make sure the game uh, really functioned uh, well and, and got them responses as quickly as possible. So that's one situation where... As I said, it's public relations. It could have been very difficult on a day-to-day basis, uh, but certainly all outward indications are the Insomniac-Marvel relationship was much better than, say, the visceral-Disney relationship or uh, visceral-Lucasfilm relationship. And so with that as kind of your background, I think we need to take a look at exactly what the exclusivity agreement was, how it works, uh, and what exactly reforming Lucasfilm games could mean to that exclusivity uh, relationship and Electronic Arts. I did want to flag one more thing before we get into that discussion. This is an article from IGN that talks about the issue today. It says Disney may be rebuilding Lucasfilm Games. Lucasfilm Games was changed to LucasArts in 1990. It says the job summaries include descriptions uh, such as roles that support the visual development and production of multiple licensed titles, as well as job responsibilities that say meet with game developers both in person and remotely, to ensure product vision and quality benchmarks are met. Qualifications include that applicants must have five years of gaming experience on a AAA mobile, console, or PC product with AR and VR experience a plus. As a Star Wars fan, a lot of that is exciting to me. I would love to play uh, some VR or AR Star Wars games. But putting that aside for a second, you can see that the description that IGN was able to pluck out here uh, speaks a lot more specifically about what we're talking about in terms of oversight that Disney and Lucasfilm are trying to reorganize internally exactly what their oversight processes look like with, in particular, their external licensees, which you can see plucked out from the language here when they talk about multiple licensed titles. 
while it's true that Lucasfilm games might technically have to internally license intellectual property from Lucasfilm or from Disney, depending on where the intellectual property is kept uh, from a legal record-keeping standpoint, that's not usually what you would describe as a licensed title when you're just talking about a job description. So this reads to me much more clearly as you need to help manage EA or companies like Electronic Arts because we've had all this difficulty uh, over the last six years. And that's not really a surprise. Uh, Certainly Disney cannot be happy with Electronic Arts' output at this point. Uh, But that doesn't mean that they're ready to kick Electronic Arts to the curb. There's a lot that goes into a question like this. And that's what I want to talk about in terms of contract, in terms of what an exclusive software license, or in this case, really an exclusive intellectual property license looks like what it does, and whether or not something like this, an announcement like this, really means that it's altogether likely that Disney is about to end its relationship with Electronic Arts, or whether it means something else. Uh, So let's take a look um, at some footage from Battlefront 2 while we talk about what the nature of the contract is. Uh, So an exclusive intellectual property license uh, is a contract that essentially says Disney owns this intellectual property. And if you haven't watched a video on this channel before, intellectual property is this kind of ephemeral concept, but it basically means uh, the evidence of ideas. So when they say they own the Star Wars intellectual property, uh, then it means that they own the rights to the names uh, and the concepts that make up all of Star Wars. And I think we all have kind of a latent understanding of this concept insofar as we understand that you or I can't make and sell a Star Wars game because it's not our property to sell. Disney can do that because they own Lucasfilm. And they said, in an exclusive license, okay, Electronic Arts, only you can make Star Wars games in this console field of use. You're the only ones that can make derivative works, new products that incorporate this intellectual property with the stuff that is ours, Star Wars. And we're not going to let any other kind of console creator do it. Ubisoft can't make a Star Wars-esque Assassin's Creed game. Only you, Electronic Arts, can make games. And what you've chosen to do over the last six years is make only Battlefront games. So here we are. As part of that process, EA would have agreed to make certain payments to Disney, either upfront uh, or as royalties on sales made. And a royalty is essentially just saying, uh, okay, if uh, we sell a product uh, and it goes for $60, There are a bunch of different cuts that happen there between console manufacturers and uh, storefronts and everything else. But if we sell a game and we make $60, we're going to give you uh, 5% of that because this wouldn't have happened. This game wouldn't have existed without your intellectual property. That's a royalty. It's a payment made on essentially revenues received. Uh, And Electronic Arts probably agreed to a certain amount of royalties for using the intellectual property because uh, otherwise Disney probably wouldn't have agreed to the deal. Uh, So royalties are probably a part of the deal, and part of that deal is going to be, essentially, you're supposed to hit certain numbers on royalties. When we enter into an exclusive agreement with you, that means we're foregoing all other potential contract parties, and that means that you really have to hit certain numbers for this to be worth our while, uh, or else some bad things can happen, and we're going to talk about that in a second. Uh, Because Disney is concerned with their Star Wars brand, because they're concerned with all their brands, if you've ever talked to them on an intellectual property basis, they're concerned with absolutely everything that relates to their value as a company. So that's Mickey Mouse, that's Marvel, that's Star Wars, that's everything in between. Since they are concerned with that, there would be as part of this exclusive license uh, arrangement, uh, which again is 
Disney handing EA a bundle of rights in exchange for money, either upfront or as revenues are gained by EA, there would be an oversight panel. There would be some kind of oversight procedure in a section in that agreement that would essentially say, okay, uh, Electronic Arts, you're going to make uh, uh, a set of assets. You're going to make a set of intellectual property. For these things, names and looks and new planets, uh, you're going to have to get pre-approval from us. Uh, and then on any given time basis, we are going to be able to uh, see your assets. You're going to make yourselves available to us. You're going to give us deliverables, whether that's in the form of reports or early code, that we're going to evaluate and give notes on. And you are going to respect our notes because we're going to be partners in actually creating this whole thing. Uh, and so that is what you would have in an agreement like that. And that's what was giving uh, the friction really to Visceral uh, that in that Kotaku quote that we read where they had uh, problems with the way Disney was operating uh, the relationship. And so I do think as part of this kind of Lucasfilm games concept that we're seeing today in these articles, there is a notion that behind the scenes, uh, Lucasfilm and Disney is aware that at least part of the problem and whether or not they accept that blame or they are uh, reticent to accept most of the blame and really think it falls on Electronic Arts' shoulders, they clearly are aware that Electronic Arts uh, and Visceral and some of the other comments that you see about the Star Wars license have been made more difficult by the way Disney has been operating in terms of approvals, and there is that kind of negative feeling out there that they want to go away. They don't want you to feel negatively. They want to make money. Again, royalties work on a license basis because when you make money as the licensee, the licensor makes money, and so the incentives are aligned for everybody to want to get a good product out to market uh, as quickly as possible, but while protecting the brand if you're Disney and you're trying to maintain that value of your Star Wars intellectual property. Um, that is certainly uh, the lack of a system like that or, or a dysfunctional system like that is certainly something Electronic Arts could have been chafing against. Uh, and if you have been following kind of the Lucasfilm Star Wars saga, you know, Hasbro has been making certain complaints about Star Wars toys, uh, along with the Toys R Us bankruptcy, the Solo release, the Last Jedi controversy, the Battlefront 2 loot box controversy. They've all suggested a certain amount of dysfunction organizationally at Lucasfilm, together with essentially the firings of a multitude of directors that were working on the Star Wars film products. I think it is very possible that Disney has taken a stronger hand uh, in respect of the operations of Lucasfilm, and this could certainly be a manifestation of that, even if it means nothing with respect to you know, uh, Electronic Arts specifically. Uh, I think it certainly could be essentially a move towards, hey, we need to be more cognizant of what our licensees are doing with our licenses, and we need to have people that are getting paid to do that job to watch over how these things are used and to be very familiar with them so that uh, there isn't that kind of chafing and that friction uh, with a relationship uh, with Electronic Arts. But outside of that, there are a couple of other questions about how this license operates. I've gotten a number of questions on my Twitter, on my social media, about whether or not Disney can just walk away or they can do something else, or whether something like this today, whether Lucasfilm Games could be entering the market to compete with Electronic Arts or to take the license from them and make their own studio and go back into internal development of video games. And I think there are uh, certainly interesting questions to be asked there, uh, but it, it depends a lot on what's in the contract, and unfortunately, we're not going to be able to see that. So the very first thing it depends on is how exclusive is exclusive. 
So exclusivity generally means that no one else can use something. Uh, but what you might not think about and what is a kind of early drafting error from young lawyers that I've uh, worked with in the past is that exclusivity, if it's just set as an exclusive license, generally means it's exclusive uh, to the owner as well. So if you own the intellectual property and you enter into an exclusive license with another party, you can't do anything with that intellectual property yourself. Uh, you have to essentially retain certain rights. Now, certainly from the description of the exclusive agreement with Electronic Arts that we saw in uh, the Polygon article, it does seem that this was a contract that bifurcated the rights, that said it's exclusive over here for this purpose, and it's not exclusive uh, over here for this purpose, that Disney can still do what it wants with, with something. So that's part and parcel to what can happen with exclusivity. Another thing that can happen with exclusivity uh, is that you can essentially say, okay, it's exclusive, but if you don't hit some milestone, uh, such as a number of games produced or number of units sold or a Metacritic score or a de minimum, uh, de minimis amount of royalties that you're paying out to us in a given year or set of years, uh, then certain things can happen. Certain bad things can happen with respect to your exclusivity, such as it can go away. Uh, I've drafted myself a number of contracts that essentially say this agreement is exclusive, uh, but if X, Y, or Z happen, the agreement isn't terminated, it doesn't go away, but your right becomes a non-exclusive one. Uh, and a non-exclusive license is essentially what you might imagine it to be, which says you have the right to make Star Wars games, uh, but you don't have the sole right to make Star Wars games. Uh, we can make Star Wars games, uh, or we can license out that Assassin's Creed Star Wars game to Ubisoft, uh, or anything else that we want to do because we are the owners of the intellectual property and you just have this license right to use it for this purpose. Uh, and that can be something that can happen. Another thing that can happen in that context is that, is that Disney might be afforded the right to terminate the agreement. And that's the question that everybody has for me uh, very often is how likely is that? I will tell you for certain there is some kind of termination right that Disney holds over Electronic Arts if Electronic Arts fails to do something. We don't know what that something is. We don't know whether that's they have to make sure they release a game every three years at minimum, whether they have to pay a certain amount of money, whether they have to meet certain Metacritic scores. We simply don't know. Uh, and that's part and parcel to the problem with kind of evaluating what Disney's doing today versus what Electronic Arts is doing today because we just don't know what powers or rights Disney has under their contract. And so we can only kind of read the tea leaves and look at something like Lucasfilm Games coming into existence and saying, aha, okay, we can see that there are positions being offered that are essentially designed to smooth out licensee relationships. That makes sense because Electronic Arts has complained about the licensee relationship. And so Disney wants to move forward and smooth that out. And certainly internally, their organizational structure has been changing kind of quietly uh, in response to primarily the solo box office returns. We saw some changes to the story group appear on their website, some other kind of internal changes. Uh, and we've seen Bob Iger kind of talk about the future of Star Wars at a film level. Uh, Disney is kind of reticent to talk about the interactive entertainment side of things uh, because they don't view themselves as very good at it. Uh, really, Disney Infinity and that push was the last time Disney tried to get into interactive entertainment, and I don't know that they have an appetite to get back into it, which is one of the reasons I might say uh, or suggest that this is much more a, a move, Lucasfilm Games, to smooth out the relationship with prospective licensees than it is for Disney to jump in on their own. That all being said... If Disney does have the right to either reduce the exclusivity uh, for Electronic Arts or terminate that agreement, 
Uh, they might be prepping the groundwork for doing that with something like a Lucasfilm Games uh, to allow them to communicate better to fix the mistakes they made in the Electronic Arts relationship with that next third-party provider, whether that is Ubisoft or whether that is uh, even Sony or Microsoft or someone else, uh, that either way, regardless of how they feel about Electronic Arts, Dizzy might have come to the conclusion that whatever they were working on before now, the last six years, was a dysfunctional relationship with their licensee and one that they needed to correct. I think that's the most likely takeaway, the most likely read of the situation is that even if they get rid of the Electronic Arts, even if they don't get rid of Electronic Arts, this was something that Disney saw a need to fix, a need to correct. Uh, And that's what they're working on doing is kind of changing their internal organizational structure at the Lucasfilm level to coordinate these licenses because, frankly, LucasArts was releasing a ton of Star Wars games and Indiana Jones games and other games, uh, and they were making money doing it, and they stopped when Disney bought Lucasfilm, and Disney probably looks at that as a missed opportunity for ROI, and they want to get back in that business, even if it means managing other developers, and they want to do it better. And I think that's the most likely scenario here. But I will tell you right now, Battlefront 1 and Battlefront 2 being the only games released in six years of the license cannot have been the intended endgame, no pun intended, for what this agreement was supposed to be between Disney and Electronic Arts. So if Electronic Arts didn't quite trip a milestone that would cause them to lose their exclusivity, it wouldn't surprise me if they were close. And so Disney might be evaluating their options there. I will also say, however, that the fact that Jedi Fallen Order is coming out uh, later this year, it does present a situation where Disney is not going to want to cut off the relationship with Electronic Arts with a game that has had resources devoted to it that is likely to come out very soon and is likely to make both parties money. Uh, Respawn has all but proven itself, really, especially with Apex Legends release, in the video game space, and it seems very likely that whatever they've cooked up is going to be uh, popular. Uh, That's not a guarantee. I don't think even Disney thinks it's a guarantee, Uh, but it does mean that a game is going to be released that's going to make somebody some money, and it doesn't make sense to really burn those bridges today uh, rather than tomorrow uh, if you're sitting in Disney's shoes, Uh, which is all a long way of saying, really, an exclusivity, uh, an exclusivity agreement, a license for this intellectual property might well be terminable by Disney. I want to get that out there. But this announcement of Lucasfilm Games, while uh, potentially exciting, and certainly I think it's useful to know that Disney is devoting resources to making more games, to making them better. And I think that's a positive takeaway from this announcement. It doesn't necessarily mean anything in respect of the electronic arts relationship. Uh, And so if we hear more about that in the future, it's very likely to happen after the release of Jedi Fallen Order uh, and in between that period when that game has come out. And I don't know that any other Star Wars games have really been announced. Uh, So it would be after that period where Disney might be already signaling to Electronic Arts that, hey, we think it probably makes sense to end this in seven years rather than 10. You'll note uh, if you follow this channel or the industry in general, that Activision and Bungie wound up splitting up after about seven years instead of 10. Uh, And so it might just be the case that Fallen Order is the last game that you wind up seeing from the Electronic Arts Disney Alliance. But I don't think that's any guarantee. What I do think is a guarantee is that Lucasfilm Games is going to present internally a more cogent, more uh, centralized uh, speaking arm of Disney to Electronic Arts that's going to allow them to hopefully 
uh, better make games and better make games for the successor of Electronic Arts, whoever that might be, including Electronic Arts themselves. Uh, and that's really what I wanted to say today. Uh, I think it's a very interesting topic. As I said at the start of this video, Star Wars is near and dear to my heart. Uh, and so I really do want to see more of those Star Wars experiences brought to the interactive entertainment community, whether that's in something really, really cool like VR or AR, uh, or something that's just kind of a more normal experience that we were used to getting on a fairly regular basis in the period before Lucasfilm sold to Disney. Just a kind of standard third-person action adventures or even platformers in the Star Wars environment, I think, would make a significant amount of money. And so I think with Disney focusing on Star Wars, really looking at the issues that plagued Solo, how it got there with two new Star Wars lands to open in Disney World and Disneyland, and with kind of the reorganizations that you can see behind the scenes with just the little bits, the little tips of the iceberg that wind up being made public to those of us that kind of follow uh, Disney and follow the Star Wars brand uh, identity. I do think Lucasfilm Games is an exciting announcement, uh, but I don't think it's a sea change immediately, although it might well be a signal uh, for good things to come. Uh, and that's an episode of Virtual Legality, folks. I thank you so very much for watching, if you're watching this on YouTube, uh, or for listening, if you're listening on a podcast. Uh, if you like this video, please do like, please subscribe to the channel. I do these kinds of conversations all the time about business, about law, about information technology, pop culture, the things that catch my eye that I am passionate about. I'm a corporate lawyer that loves talking about these things. If you think this is an interesting video and you want to share it around, please do. There's a lot of forums that I am not necessarily a member of that I can't get to and I'm otherwise doing law during my day job. So please do share it with Reddit or Tumblr or Reset Era or NeoGAF or wherever you wind up uh, making your camp to talk about these issues. I love having those engagements from new people that haven't seen this video uh, series before and talking law and talking business. Uh, but again, thank you for watching or for listening, and I will catch you on the very next Virtual Legality. <laughs>